Well, a warm welcome to everyone joining here today. Uh, wherever you are and whatever time you're joining us, it's great to have you uh, with us. My name is Lloyd, I'm one of the pastors here, and it's good to be able to, to welcome you uh, to our service. Uh, we begin our Advent series, um, Advent services, I should say, today. Uh, you'll notice the, the different colours from the previous weeks, the candles, the different liturgy. We want to help us to enter into a different space uh, as we enter this season and as we approach Christmas. We have said that this week's candle, Hope, um, reminds us that we are people who wait. That's an Advent theme. Longing for Christ to return and to set things right. We long for his return so desperately because we recognise that all is not right with the world. We live in a world of difficulty and darkness, of pain and hardship, of affliction and tears. For all these things we lament. We're convinced that lament and hope are very much linked. It's a candle of hope, but in order to, to get there, um, we need to have been given space to lament those things which rob us of hope. And so we hope uh, to take this journey from lament to hope over these next four weeks in real tangible ways through sermons, liturgy, things that you can hold and see in your Advent boxes as this season moves towards Christmas. But today, we don't want to rush. Um, rather, we want to give space for lament. In fact, I want to say that there already is space for lament. We just need to enter into that space. Let me say that again. There already is space for lament. We just need to enter into that space. Now, I've got to admit, it seems counterintuitive as North Americans move from one turkey feast to the expectation of another. This time of year sounds and smells exciting and expectant. Lament doesn't. It doesn't seem very Christmassy or exciting or expectant, and I admit that. Advent means coming. We remember that Jesus has come once and that he's going to come again in the future. And so Advent holds these two arrivals, these two comings in tension. And so we live in that in-between space in 2020, but also in this season and in this space, we are struck by all the ways that things are not as they should be in 2020, in this season, in this world. Sickness, oppression, death, injustice, abuse, COVID-19. All of these things should not be in a world where Jesus is said to reign, surely. And yet we are to remember afresh that Jesus' reign is both now and not yet. And we are invited into this space of lament for those griefs and sadnesses and impatiences for things to be put right. And this is the space of lament that we are to enter into. So let me talk about this space for lament. I will tread carefully, I'll tiptoe because it seems a tender topic. But we'll look at what it might look like for us to enter into it. We'll look at the space in the church calendar. We'll look at the space in the Bible for lament. We'll look in the space in our hearts and in the heart of God as well. So firstly, let's look at the space of lament in the church calendar. You might not be familiar with the church calendar, so let me say a few words about it. In fact, let me give you first some of my uh, credentials to talk about it. 
Growing up, I had never had a sense of Advent as a season or as a concept. My family went to a non-denominational Chinese church in Scotland, and I went there to kick a football afterwards or to play Street Fighter 2 with my friends. And then when I started actually kind of liking church, um, I went to a not very Anglican, Anglican church in England. And so the only connection to Advent I'd have was via the church calendar, uh, the Advent calendar. But because I wasn't really into chocolate, um, the run-up to Christmas for me was just called December. So my credentials aren't great. But I've grown to appreciate the church calendar, and perhaps that gives me some um, ability to speak of it now. I come to appreciate the church calendar, and not just because I have to as an Anglican minister. Uh, let me give a couple of reasons. The first is this. I have found that the, tr the tradition and history of the church to be grounding and centering rather than pompous, pretentious, and to be rebe rebelled against, like I used to think it was. Now, if you want to learn more about the church calendar, we actually have an equip and build, a session with um, someone from our congregation who's also a, a lecturer at, um, at Regent College here, uh, David Robinson. That's at 1 p.m., and the Zoom details can be found um, in the events page um, of our website. But he'll be looking at the whole church calendar and giving a rationale for that and uh, some background for that. If you're interested, if this talk um, causes you to be a little more interested, that might be a good place to go. That was the first reason. The second reason is that I've observed that we all kind of live our lives according to a calendar of some sort. So why not the church calendar that's been around for a long time? The other calendars that we live according to are, are the January to December calendar or the paycheck to paycheck calendar or the academic term calendar or the sports season calendar or the summer, autumn, winter, spring calendar or the days that big companies have sales so that we buy their stuff calendar or the welfare day to the next welfare day calendar. Our sense of time is shaped, whether we like it or not, by what calendar we live in. And these calendars, I've come to see, are like a bit of a spinning wheel, right? The ones that go round on the spot, they go round and round and round. And so even if your sports team wins the title, which my team did after 30 years uh, this last year, the cup, the trophy, the title is fought for again the next year. It goes back to zero. The league goes back to zero. Everyone's got no points. The cup goes back in the shelf and you fight for it all over again. It's a spinning wheel. But the church calendar is not just a spinning wheel. Think of a bicycle wheel with the spokes that go round, but it's moving forwards, not standing still. And so it is with the church year. We go around this circuit, Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Holy Week, Good Friday, Easter, Pentecost, you see, the early Christians developed this church year or church calendar as a way of telling, learning and reliving the story of Jesus who has come and is coming again. And as they did so, they came to understand that it wasn't matter, a matter of going round and round the same sequence and never getting anywhere. No, it wasn't a spinning top going round and round for the sake of it. It was like the wheel of a bike going somewhere. God's plan for all of creation is that it would be renewed. It'd be remade. It'd be restored. And history is his story of doing that. And so there is a space um, within the calendar uh, for lament. That space is already here. Here's Anglican uh, minister Tish Har Harrison Warren. She says this. 
In the church calendar, every period of celebration is preceded by a time of preparation. Historically, Advent, the liturgical season that begins four Sundays before Christmas Day, is a way to prepare our hearts and minds and souls for Christmas. For Christians, Christmas is a celebration of Jesus' birth, that light has come into darkness and, as the Gospel of John says, the darkness could not overcome it. But Advent bids us first to pause and to look with complete honesty at that darkness. To practice Advent is to lean into an almost cosmic ache, our deep wordless desire for things to be made right and the incompleteness we find in the meantime. We dwell in a world still racked with conflict, violence, suffering, darkness. Advent holds space for our grief and it reminds us that all of us, in one way or another, are not only wounded by the evil in the world, but are also wielders of it, contributing our own moments of unkindness or impatience or selfishness. End quote. There already is space for lament in the church calendar. We just need to enter into this space. And so Ruth Haley Barton, uh, an author, says this, the seasons of the church year are meant to teach us something about the spiritual life that we need to learn. Beyond mere information, though, about the spiritual life, they offer, offer us the opportunity to live into aspects of the spiritual life that we might not otherwise choose or even know to choose. The seasons of the church year give us a chance to practice some of the key disciplines of the Christian life and to do it together as a community of faith. End quote. What might it look like for you to live into the season of lament, to live into this invitation to lament, this space to lament? There already is a space for lament in the church calendar. We are invited to enter into this space this Advent. There's also a space for us, not only um, in the church calendar, but in Scripture. In the Bible, we have plenty of lament. In the Psalms, at least a third of the songs of Israel, which are the top 50 hits of the people of God, were laments. They weren't uh, happy and clappy and in a major key. At least a third of these were in the minor key. There is a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. There is much to lament in the Bible. And one of the key moments of lament was when Israel, uh, God's people, was defeated by a bigger and badder Babylonian empire in uh, the 6th century BC. To the Jewish survivors of this, it seemed as if the whole world had been turned upside down. The temple had been destroyed, Jerusalem had been plundered, and its people deported. And those left behind were asking, where is God now? Has he abandoned us? These are Advent questions. These are Advent laments. The people of God were living in the shadows and it's in this context that the prophet Isaiah cries out on behalf of the people as they wait. He does so with longing and lament. The longings he expresses are Advent longings. Oh, that you would rend or tear the heavens and come down, in verse 1, from the reading that we've just had. The questions are Advent questions. Will you restrain yourself at these things, O Lord? Our pain, our shame, our ruin? Will you keep silent and afflict us so terribly? It says in verse 12. The aches are Advent aches from this passage. You have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. Verse 7. 
There were not ready-made answers, cookie-cutter answers, uh, easy responses. There were none of them. It was painful to live in that time. There was much to grieve. And they cry out, come, God, do something. Can't you hear us? Do something about it. The passage we have read talks about the longing of the people in verses 1 to 5a and in verses 8 to 9 as well. There is longing for the presence of God to come down. And then there's the the, the longing for the touch of God to to change them and to save them. And in between these verses, in verses 5b, the second half of 5 and to 7, we have a lament. Here's what it says. Behold, you are angry and we sinned. In our sin, we have been a long time and shall we be saved? We have all become like one who is unclean and our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name, who rouses, who rouses himself to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. Isaiah laments. He laments on behalf of of God's people. He confesses their long-standing sin. He compares their situation with pictures that they are like something else. They are like an unclean, contagious leper. They are like a polluted garment. Forget how bad their sin was. Their righteous deeds were like a menstrual cloth. They are like a fading leaf a fragile, fragmenting autumn leaf or a wet, disintegrating winter one, you could say. But they were fading. Their transience was to be grieved. Their iniquities and sin, like the wind, took control of them and moved them all over the place, disorientating them, discombobulating them. There is much to lament for the people of God at this time, much for them to grieve. They are God's people, yet no one calls on their God. No one can get beyond their passivity to take hold of the only one who can save or actually make a difference in their lives. They melt in the hand of their own iniquities. What an evocative picture that is of of futility and pointlessness, of melting in the hands of their own sin. It feels like God has hidden his face from them. It's lonely It's depressing. But Isaiah does not deny the grief and even the anger that stems from God's hiddenness. Yet at the same time, he waits with glad expectancy for the sure moment when God will reveal himself. One of the commentators says. All this while, Isaiah laments though. He brings it to God. All of his laments, his aches, his questions. Shall we even be saved, God? His doubts, he brings them directly to God. This is what Advent waiting looks like, you see. Advent waiting begins in the dark. There is an honest expression of longing and the raw cry of lament here. And so in this journey that we are inviting you to come on, that the church calendar is inviting you to come on, that the Bible is inviting you to come on, we go from lament to hope. There is space to lament. Yes, we need to tread carefully here, but... We want to encourage you that as you wait in the darkness this Advent to express your longings and your lament to God that this is good. It's hard, but it's good. What does this look like to to lament to God? 
Well, perhaps read uh, Psalm 88 or Psalm 39 when you get the chance later on. These are one of the many lament psalms and they end on, on these verses. Turn your face away from me, God. Psalm 39. Darkness is my closest friend. Psalm 88. It's one thing to, to play in a minor key, but to, to end on a minor key? There is space given to us to direct our heart's longing and our lament to God. We are allowed to lament. There is space to lament. You see, grumbling is complaining about God, but lament is to complain to God. Grumbling kills us from the inside out. Lament means that you take it to the top and by doing so, you realise you can't get out of the depths yourself. What might this honesty look like? Let me give an attempt at what this might look like uh, for you, for me. God, I don't like you right now. I understood your promises to mean stopping the situation, but I am deeper in than I was before, than I ever imagined. And if this is how you treat your children, I don't want to be one right now. I feel so alone. I feel so abandoned. I have nothing left. And you could have done something about this. I know you could have. But I've been left to stew in it. I'm sick of it. I can't take it anymore. I'm done with it. It's not worth any of this anymore. I wonder what it might look like for you and your situation to be honest and, and raw before God. I think that's okay. I think that's healthy. To always lament might suggest there's always a problem, but to never lament probably suggests there's a problem. And the beauty of following the church calendar, I guess, in this is that there's a season for it. There's a time for it. And there's an ending to it. We'll have a couple of uh, website addresses uh, to help us with this. One uh, gives space on a podcast called The Eternal, Eternal Current to enter into a directed lament with music, if that's your thing. If it's to write, there is another one to write a lament in the form of a lament psalm and a guide to, do, to doing that um, by someone called um, Jenna Perry. So we'll put these on screen and also on the chat um, if that's something that, that you uh, think would be helpful for you and I'm suggesting that it probably is helpful for you then carve out some time to do that. Because as um, writer Matt Vrigop says, lament is how you live between the poles of a hard life and trust in God. Lament is how we bring our sorrow to God. Without lament, we won't know how to process the pain. So please give space to process that pain. It's there. You just need to enter into it and give yourself permission. Receive this as permission to enter into it. Don't be polite and passive-aggressive. Be active-aggressive, Canadian friends. Or you'll remain inactive and stuck there. God can take it. God can take it. There already is space for lament. We see it in the Bible and you are invited to enter into this space, this Advent. There is also a space in your heart and in my heart for lament. I heard this uh, recently. If we don't find robust and concrete ways to weep over the fear and sorrow and anger we feel right now, we will either export it onto someone else 
or we're going to burn up from the inside out. Let me say that again. If we don't find robust and concrete ways to weep over the fear and sorrow and anger we feel right now, we will either export it onto someone else or burn up from the inside out. There is a space for lament, you're hearing me say. And if we don't take that space, it spills into other parts of our lives, into our bodies, into our relationships. Counselor Hilary Jacobs Hendel says this, Sadness is a universal core emotion that all humans are wired to experience. We cannot stop the brain from triggering sadness in the body, where emotions live, even though we can stop our mind from experiencing sadness by suppressing it with inhibitory emotions such as uh, guilt or shame or anxiety. When we deal, or more accurately not deal with sadness by burying it, Symptoms like anxiety, depression, numbness, or a nagging feeling of disconnection from others and one's self may result. We might feel pressure to be put together, but it's actually bad for us when we try to keep that going for too long. wonder if you've tried that. There is pressure today to have a million dollar smile, to have no doubts, no struggles, to ensure that nobody is sick or anxious about anything, and when this happens out there, it's hard, but when it happens in the church, we get this weak, fake, brittle version of what the Christian life looks like. If we do not have a category for lament, then we have to. We have to, by definition, project a pretend image of strength. And rather than listening to our weaknesses so that we might trust God more and surrender to him, we instead project a fake image that is paper thin and powerless to encourage us in the day of trouble because it's just not real. We don't need to pretend. We don't need to pretend this Advent. We don't need to pretend this Christmas. Our hearts have spaces and need to lament and grieve. There is space because lament and hope come together. Longing and joy come together. We are holding these intentions, joy and sorrow, hope and despair, arrival and displacement. And that's okay, folks. That is real life. I realise this is hard talking about feelings. You're hearing from someone now who was asked by a counsellor, where do you feel that in your body when I was talking about something? Where do you feel that in your body? And I was like, what are you on about? You're saying words and I know they're words, but I just don't know what you're saying. Where do you feel that in your body? I had no idea um, how it could affect my body, how and uh, what I was feeling affected me. I was someone who seven years ago wouldn't have known a feeling if it slapped me in the face, genuinely. My inhibitory emotion of shame left me numb most of my life and stopped me feeling real emotions. It might have stopped me feeling the big lows of life, but actually stopped me from experiencing the real highs. There's no such thing as local anaesthetic when it comes to these sort of things. It's always a general anaesthetic. Now, we all have griefs this year. And you'll be glad in some ways that we can say that this is the beginning of, of a, a new year, that uh, the past year is gone and the new has come. And so we do need to kind of reflect on the past and look forward to the future. But as we look back, there are many griefs, right? This year, 2020. While I'm very grateful to have been in Vancouver and in BC at this time, I've had to be aware of the, the griefs in my life. I've had to say to people, they, they, they come in waves, They've not been enormous, but they, they build up and then, and then it grabs your attention. And then you realise that you need to do something about it. My friend dying alone in a, a care home. A friend my age 
dying of cancer or leaving a young family. Eva Hope having less than 10 people hold her even though she's turned one. The adoption merger with St Pete's not quite getting off the ground as we'd hoped it would do. My own failures and slowness to change, the lack of communication from those who you know need connection the most. There is grief, there is sadness, there is pain, there is regret. It's good to name these things. Some of the power seems to dissipate from it as we name it. So let's live into this season of Advent, going through lament into hope, but, but not bypassing that lament or that pain. How might that look for you in the next uh, four weeks? What might it look like for you to enter into that this Advent? Perhaps it's a candle to mark it. A candle maybe each day that you light and each day at the same time you recognise your longings and your lament, you write them down. So that you allow the season, so that you enter the season and allow the season to enter into you. To set aside time, to journey through the movement, through lament, to hope here at St Peter's Fireside. To do that with us. Perhaps there's a phrase that you can journey this season with, such as, come, Lord Jesus. Or restore us, O God, let your face shine that we might be saved, like we read in our psalm. Restore us, O Lord, let your face shine that we might be saved. Perhaps it's naming those griefs and saying to someone close to you, hey, listen, I need to give voice to some of what I'm carrying right now. I don't need advice, just a listening ear. Are you available to, to listen to me? There, are needs, uh, there needs to be space for lament and we're invited to enter into that this Advent. We have said that there's space for us to lament this Advent and that space is in the church calendar and the Bible and in our own hearts and, and we see it in the heart of God too. I'll only be brief on this because that's part of dwelling in the lament and, and allowing the hope to, to come as we, as we don't bypass uh, the lament. Our, but our Isaiah passage begins like this. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Oh, that you would split apart the heavens and come down, God, and do something about this. And he does. He does. He laments our sin, our, our brokenness, our pain, and he comes down. This is the outrageous claim of Advent. God himself splits heaven to come to earth, that he has done this in love once and he will do this again in love and power to remake all things, all things. Not by glossing over the pain, the loss and the shame or sweeping under the carpet, but actually by taking it on himself, becoming a man of sorrows so that one day we would deeply know, know in our hearts hope and indestructible joy. There already is space for lament, friends. And we are all, each of us, this Advent, invited to enter into this real space and not to bypass it so that at the last we may come to his eternal joy. Amen.